Today's word of scripture comes from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of the power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? So also, no one comprehends what is truly God's except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. As Paul begins that passage in chapter 2, it reminded me of when I first started out as a preacher just about 30 years ago, 29 and a half years ago. I actually was telling a story the other night in our small group that I was actually preaching at age 17, believe it or not, and I was wet behind the ears, young and innocent, and I talked way too fast. I remember in my second year of seminary, we had field placement for educational experience in a church, and I was serving as an associate pastor in the student days then. And the senior pastor was uh, once a month going into the radio station to record a message for each week. So he would go in once a month and record the four or five weeks worth of that month, and then they would broadcast them over the air certain day of the week, I think on a Monday or so. He asked me to do one a month for the two years I was with him. And I'll never forget the first one that I did. We met at the church, and he drove down to McKeesport, Pennsylvania, just below Pittsburgh there. And we went into the studio, and he had done as many times before, so we had nobody there holding our hand or guiding us. We just went in and did our thing. And he said, why don't you go first? And when I pulled out my sheets for my little radio message, I had so many. 
he said, how are you going to get that all said in 14 and a half minutes? Well, I said, I timed it at home in my apartment. But I talked so fast that it was a lot of words. So I remember what Paul is saying about when we're young and just starting out, boy, we make some mistakes and we do some things that are hard to figure. But scouts start out, right? Troy, you mentioned that. And uh, look what's happening to Noah. I mean, wow. It's just amazing how so many things in our lives, as we start out in a new way, unfold into bigger and better things in our lives. You just never know what's going to happen. One of the things, Marty, of many that I'm going to miss after July is hearing the special music on Sunday morning. There's just something about when Marty plays, and especially here at 8.30, it's a little quieter crowd. You aren't always well-behaved, but you're quiet and respectful. And it's funny to me how in every church I've been in, whenever we've had two or three services, every time is different. It's like two or three different congregations, basically, in some ways. And what I always say is that each congregation has what I call, for lack of a better word, a personality. And I have really enjoyed I'm not a morning person, as you know. I'm a night owl. But this 8.30 time has become very special for me over the years. So I'm going to miss that. Thank you, Marty. This particular passage that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about is a good one for us today. That's very common in the Bible for many reasons, but Paul was writing to a church that he loved and was concerned about, and he wanted to teach them some things from a distance as he wrote this letter, these two letters, First and Second Corinthians. And in this particular passage in chapter 2, he's talking about digging deeper. <clears throat> now, I don't think we have anybody here at 8.30 that comes to my small group on Monday night. Uh... It's all men. I'm not sure how that happened. It hasn't always been that way, but currently it is. And our name is a Digging Deeper small group. And I had used that name many years ago when we first started out. I think Joanne Calkins came to me as the pastor, and she said, Pastor Bob, we need to start small groups in our church. This is probably, what, 14 years ago or something like that, I think it is. It's been a long time. And I said, yes, I definitely agree. So she took, I think, Beryl and some others over to our church in Bowmanstown because that church is already utilizing small groups in its ministry. And they learned a lot about how they were doing it. And Joanne and the rest brought back this idea, this pattern, and we started small groups that are still going today. You're starting yours up again, Peggy. And I have to say, that has been such a great group for me. What I always tell people, my friends and colleagues, is that we have a bunch of incredible men in our small group. We have, I think, two engineers. We have a retired physics professor. We have a high-level salesman in a very complicated line of work. We have an artist, and we have a dumb pastor. I'm the one that does, I mean, my eyes glaze over, and it's like, what are you guys talking about? So years ago, I had Matt Partner, our custodian then, draw up this little diagram of digging deeper that we've used for our small group logo for a long time. 
Now, you might be wondering, digging deeper can have a negative connotation too. You know, I can dig some holes in my life, right? And sometimes I can say things that get me into trouble. I can dig a hole for myself, if you understand what I'm saying. My grandfather, my grandfather on my dad's side, for a lot of his young life, he dug graves by hand. This is back about the time of the Depression or so. And I can't imagine digging not one or two, but routinely, day after day, week after week, digging grave by hand. Funny story about that. My dad was just about maybe four or five years old. And one Saturday, he was out at the grave where his dad had been working. And his dad and a colleague got busy doing something. And my dad was standing over this grave that they had just dug that morning. And he thought, I wonder what it's like to be down there. So he jumped in. Now, does anybody know how deep a grave is? Six feet. Six feet. Well, a little four-year-old or five-year-old, he ain't going to be able to get back out. So he started to scream. And my grandfather, wherever he was, he didn't hear him right away. So my dad's getting more and more panicked, screaming louder and louder, as you can imagine. And finally, the friend of my grand, the coworker of my, my grandfather said, I think somebody's alive in the grave. <laughs> so he went over. Now, you have to understand, the Shank family, probably started by my grandfather, has this temper. Anybody can relate to that? There you go. And he said something inappropriate and bad, I guess. And then he had to get a long plank to put on an angle down into the grave so my dad could shimmy up out of this grave. So we have to be careful what holes we dig for ourselves, right? But the idea here that Paul's talking about is digging deeper into our faith and digging deeper into understanding what God's word is about for our church and for us as God's people. I was blessed by my parents and by my church growing up. It's the reason that I've become a pastor. My grandparents on both sides of the family and my parents were just incredible to me. I remember like it was yesterday when I was about 11 and 12 years old, I lost three of my grandparents in a little over a year's time. My first experience with death so close to my family. And it was heartbreaking. And when my grandfather, that same one who would dig graves back in the day, when he died, he was the first one of the three to die at that time, a pastor who did the funeral, Lutheran pastor, took me aside on the night of the viewing. He saw I was very distraught and upset about losing my grandfather. It was devastating to me. And that night in the church, he pulled me aside, or, I'm sorry, in the, view, in the funeral home, pulled me aside, and we went into another room, and he talked to me for about half an hour. And that really stuck with me, because he wouldn't have had to take any time to do that. But he saw that I was distressed and having a hard time at the age of 11, and he did that. That made a big impact on me. My dad. I remember the day he woke me up in the morning, Sunday morning, and he says, Are you going to church today? I might have been about maybe eight or nine. 
And I was so mean and such a bad boy that I said, like I have a choice. Oh, boy. And my dad, he didn't react the way I expected. You know, I expected to get a whack or, you know, something. He goes, okay, I'll see you when we get home. And then I felt guilty. (laughs) So I rolled over and said, boy, I got to go to church, you know? So I got up, and he goes, oh, you are going to go? I said, yeah, I'm going to go to church. So from that moment on, I wanted to be in church. And it wasn't long after that that I'd be in church, go to Sunday school first, and then go to church. And we had two incredible pastors, Pastor Jack and Pastor Frank. And they, they were just great, great pastors. I have, just can't thank them enough for the way they mentored me. But when they would preach, they would always trigger a thought or a question in my mind. And our family custom was to have dinner after church. You know, Mom usually had a roast in the oven during worship, you know, and we'd get home and we'd sit around the table or sometimes we'd go out. And undoubtedly, almost every Sunday from about age 10 on up, my dad and I would get into a heavy theological discussion about the sermon. My mom and my brothers had we fought about the sermon, disagreed about what Pastor Frank or Pastor Jack preached that day. But it was so formative for me because it really introduced some things about the deeper thoughts of our lives and our faith. And I think, after being a pastor for almost 30 years now, 29 and a half years, a little more, I think that we have too many believers who are too shallow. We don't dig deep enough. Let me give an example of that. We have a hymnal that we sometimes use at funerals. And our choir likes to sing the notes, so they like to look at the notes. But do you know there's a lot more than just songs in our hymnal? We have the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Canadian Creed, the Korean Creed. We also have a lot of the Psalms. Not all 150, but we have, I think, quite a few that are in here, and they are listed in the back of the hymnal as a responsive reading. The leader says a part, kind of like a call to worship, and the congregation responds with another bold part, and we go back and forth. There's also musical uh, indexes there, response musically, at the beginning and the end, and sometimes in the middle of that response as well. And I'm going to guess that most of us don't really know the depth and the breadth of our hymnal. Now, there are two things that we, United Methodists, have been notorious for. Eating. Right? Am I saying anything you don't know? And singing. We were often labeled as those singing Methodists, the singing church. And I kind of like that. I think that's pretty cool. I like to eat, first of all, don't you? Yeah. And the words of our faith put to music sometimes describes things deeper than we could ever do without the music. I know since losing Denise, music has been a real 
blessing for me in so many ways. Not just church music, but secular music as well. Somehow, music touches our souls in ways that our mere words just cannot do. So we've got to take some time to dig a little deeper in the things that we believe and the things that we think we know. And the whole purpose of digging deeper is to get a deeper understanding of our faith. I said that too many of us have a shallow faith. Somebody once asked me, what's the point of worship? What's the point of coming together on Sunday morning and singing three hymns and hearing a sermon for 20 minutes or whatever it might be, um, reciting a few words? What's the point of worship? Well... I actually did a lot of study on this when I was younger at Princeton Seminary in an independent study with a great professor there at the time, professor of worship and homiletics, preaching. And I think from what, in a nutshell, I learned from that experience is that worship primarily does two things. Number one, it gives us the opportunity to praise God. And God should be praised every day. I don't care how bad your day is going so far today. Don't you have at least one reason to be joyful and thankful? And I've had some pretty bad days in my life. But even on my lowest days, there's still something for which I'm thankful, right? I mean, there's not ever a day that everything is bad. There's a silver lining in every cloud. There's things that we are blessed by, even in those difficult, dark days. So worship is to praise God. And that reminds us not only that we ought to praise God, but how we praise God. And when we do praise God, it reminds us that life is good. Life is really good. Life is really, really good. And sometimes if we say that enough, we begin to feel it and believe it. So that's the one thing. We should praise God. But, but why worship? Why, why gather as people every Sunday or whenever you can be here? Why worship like we do? Well, I really believe it gets to this. I wonder, and I don't know, I really do not know, what people do when they experience grief and loss if they don't have faith. I don't know. Because most of us, and I'm looking at people that I know, have been around for a long time, maybe too long, but long time, and I know that you have had heartache in your life, just like I have. And some things, let's be honest, aren't fair, right? Some things just aren't fair. People were taken too quick, gone too soon. Tragic cancer all over the place, Kirsten? I mean, my heavens, just, just that alone is just mind-boggling. So, to me, worship, secondly, prepares us to live in life as faithful believers. I said it before, if we say something enough times, we might begin to believe it. And it might have an impact on ourselves on our soul, on our mind. I, was, I memorized the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer when I was 12 years old in confirmation class with Jack Grove, my pastor. They were one of the requirements that we had to 
memorized in order to be confirmed into the church. Back in those days, kids were not allowed to take communion until they were confirmed in the church. To be confirmed, you had to memorize some things and spit them back out to the pastor. I remember knees shaking and nervous. What word am I going to forget? But you know, after 42 years of saying that creed, I believe it. And not only do I believe those words, but I have found, I'm speaking just for myself, not even just as a pastor, but as a believer, I have found that those words of my faith comfort me in time of struggle. What about you? Is there a memory verse or a creed or a song or something that gives you something to bolster you when times get tough? Because if you don't have that, I'm going to encourage you to do that. You know I like sports, for better or worse. And sometimes there are bad things in sports, I get that. They get paid too much in the pro world, in my opinion, but, you know, I see the sports over at ESU and in our high schools around here, and middle schools too, a few times, and I am impressed by the young student-athletes that I'm around with and privileged to be around week to week. I'm just impressed with the kind of people they are, the kind of sportsmen they are. Men and women who commit to playing a game, but they're more than just an athlete. And it's amazing to me how little things can influence our thinking. And whether we're positive or negative on a given day. Don't you think we have too much negativity in the world today? I mean, turn the news on. Open the newspaper. 90% of what we're going to see is negative, right? Even in the sporting world, most of what we hear and see tends to be negative. But I'm here to tell you, don't you believe everything you hear? Because I don't think most people are negative. There are some. There are some curmudgeons, you know. I know a few of them, but only a few. Most people I get to know are not like that. They're positive. They're productive. So we need to dig deeper and find things that help us when the going gets tough. Some of the words of this scripture speak about God's depth and breadth, which is way beyond mine and way beyond ours. I always say I have a limited brain. This little soft disc up here can only hold so much, you know? And I'm forgetful. I don't know about you, but I can forget things too. But when we commit some things to memory and dig a little deeper into what God is saying and wants us to understand, that's only going to help us. So memorize some lyrics. Memorize some verses. Memorize some things that are helpful to you in your faith. You know, back in World War II, there were a number of soldiers from our country who were prisoners of war. And I'm talking about a lot of people, a lot of soldiers. 
And they collectively, in some places, memorized nearly the whole Bible, which boggles my mind. I mean, sure, John 3.16, but Malachi, really? Because those words are so helpful and so important. God's thoughts are deeper than mine. And I need to dig deeper to figure them out. Because my thoughts are too shallow. And God's thoughts are what we all need every day. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the way you bless us and encourage us and help us, particularly when things don't go our way. Help us, God, to worship you and to sing your praises, knowing that when we do, we are equipping ourselves for our lives, good or bad, and you're with us through it all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.